Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends, Tucker Milling. We have a great show lined up for you today. Well, Our topic today is layer feed versus broiler feed. And our good friend, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Curran Gehring, is going to be on here very shortly. And he's going to be uh, pretty much dissecting uh, all of this layer feed, broiler feed, and why, uh, what's the difference, and why when I'm raising broilers, I really need to focus on broiler feed, and why it may not be so great for our layers. Great topic today, uh, heavily requested as well. A couple of news items I want to get to um, before we bring uh, Dr. Gehring on. And that is, number one, my first book, which was published probably about nine or ten years ago, uh, is now an audio book. The, the publisher approached me probably about a year ago, wanted to get this in motion, thought that that book would be a very good option to make it into an audio book. So that's been going on for the last year. They actually sent me some... Uh, voiceover demos from some folks, but I had my own for several years as well. He's up in Kentucky now, and I said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? If you have time, uh, I'll submit your name, and sure enough, I submitted all the information, and uh, my good friend Brian, who does a lot of my commercials actually and my intro, uh, is the voice you'll hear in the audio book of my first book, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens. So I think it's on Audible right now. I don't know if that's something you'll end up being able to buy on Amazon. I know it's on Kindle forever, and you can still buy it on Amazon and and booksellers everywhere. But now, and I'm not sure if there's, to be honest, another chicken book that is uh, now an audio book. This may be the first. I don't know. I haven't looked. But that would be pretty cool. Um, But, yeah, so you can now, uh, I guess, Download it, listen to it on a trip, in traffic while you're sitting, uh, waiting to go to work, coming home from work, whatever the case may be. That's very exciting news. Uh, that's been in the works for about a year now, so a Chicken Whisper's Guide to Keeping Chickens, now an audio book. Very cool. Also, 
this is even bigger news. We've been waiting for this probably for about 12 years. I know I've been in the public eye uh, doing poultry education for about 15 years on a small scale <clears throat> backyard poultry level um, for probably 15 years and full-time full-time gig and I've been asking and even begging folks to get me some studies because we we know that studies are mostly focused on the big commercial produ uh, production it is because that's where the money is <clears throat> and they want to do things and study things that would make it more cost-effective and things like that so a lot of testing is done for the small small flock but over the last few years Auburn University has stepped up in their uh, lab and uh, with their scientists, veterinarians, poultry nutritionists, um, and they've done a couple for us now already, and we hope that they'll be able to do more for us in the future based on small flock poultry. And the first one was at Bethesda, and uh, because the chicken blogger had posted and had shared for a while that apple cider vinegar combats coccidiosis um, and they had in a treatment plan for coccidiosis and they ran that study over there at Auburn University and that was a big fat zero so uh, um, that that was debunked which was fantastic <clears throat> did that particular blogger remove that from uh, uh, did, did, did that particular blogger who was sharing that for so long did they come out and say oops I was wrong the study came out I was wrong it doesn't do anything uh, sorry about that. Nope. They just deleted it from their blog. How about that? Um, you want to follow somebody like that or somebody who would say, you know what, hey, I made a mistake. Things that I had saw <coughs> that were not studies, didn't prove anything, just said that they might, you know, that type of thing. Um, so so that was the first one that was done over at Auburn University. And then the second one um, <laughs> was something, again, we've been asking for for over a decade, and that is regarding pumpkin seeds being an all-natural dewormer for chickens. And I was so glad to get this done in time for the fall issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine, which is out now. If you subscribe to the digital edition of Chicken Whisper Magazine, it's in your inbox. It was in your inbox last week, um, and you get it for free four times a year, spring, summer, and fall. The fall issue just released to our digital subscribers. And then if you subscribe to the print edition, it will be in your mailbox probably in the next seven to ten days and you'll be able to read the entire magazine, of course, including this study formed over at Auburn University about pumpkin seeds being an all-natural dewormer. I have been waiting for this for a long, long time. Every year about this time, especially when Halloween creeps up on us and everybody's got pumpkins on the front porch, and then all of a sudden they go on sale at Walmart and everywhere else, and they get on clearance, and people are like, oh, look at all the pumpkins I get, or hey, neighbors, let me have your pumpkins. I'm going to give them to my chickens because they are an all-natural dewormer for chickens. Hey, I read on a chicken blog, all-natural dewormer for chickens. Well, now we've got a study also done over at Auburn University that uh, kind of backs what we've been saying all these years that, uh, no, that's not the case. So, um, you know, you're going to continue <laughs> – reading those uh, chicken blurs that have become so popular lately because it seems year after year after year we have basically proved them wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. We even have a whole book, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, that was published about five years ago where we actually took all these myths and put them into a book. We asked you, hey, what are some of the things that are too good to be true to you on these chicken blogs, chicken forums, chicken groups? Y'all sent them to me. 
We send them out to professionals. Uh, again, chicken, uh, poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, poultry nutritionists said, hey, here, would you address these 10? We gave them little lots. And they came back, and now there's a whole book published. You can find it on Amazon, Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop. It goes through a lot of this junk that you see on these chicken blogs and chicken forums and chicken groups that, uh, that are just not the case. <clears throat> and so uh, now you have it. It's over on our Facebook page. I posted the full magazine, I think, yesterday or the day before. Today I have this specific link to the pumpkin seed study that has now been completed from Auburn University. They also used um, another test, uh, a wormwood. I know a lot of people say, oh, I, I'd use wormwood to do this, and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> they used wor wormwood. That is a technical name, uh, a species name for that that they use in the, the study and in the article, more commonly known as wormwood. And it also was a big flop. So uh, take a look at that. It took so long. It took, this is about a two-year study, uh, at least 18 months, because there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through when you're doing studies on animals in, in any type of setting, but especially the university setting. There's an a organization that uh, is a nationwide organization that you have to get approval from, basically, if you're going to do any study on any animals. They've got to come in make sure it's going to be humane and da-da-da-da-da, across the, the T's, dot the I's, all that stuff that you've got to do. So that takes time. Then you've got to get your stock. Then you've got to get your separate cages. Then you've got to get, you've got to infect them <coughs> with the uh, internal parasites, the roundworm. Then you have to make sure they got the roundworm. Then you've got to go start giving them the pumpkin seed uh, and, and their feed. You've got to make sure that they all consume it. How are you going to do that? You, gotta, you, know, you, you need to know the variety of pumpkin, how you make sure all the chickens got the same amount, how, how much they ate, uh, then you got to do the test, take the fe test the fecal matter, test the eggs, count the eggs in the fecal matter. Do you want to be counting eggs in chicken's poop? Do you want to be the one under a microscope counting how many uh, roundworm eggs are in the chicken's poop? You can do that if you go to poultry science school, <clears throat> and they did that. It's all in the study. So uh, none of this, well, I've been using it, and I've never had worms, so it must work. So, uh, But those are the two big news items I want to get to, uh, I, I got to today. I wanted to share with you, so you can go over to our Facebook page and uh, see the link there. Uh, and while you're there, go ahead and sign up for the free edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Read that study about the pumpkin seeds and all the other great articles that are in the magazine, including our topic today, layer feed versus boiler feed. There's a whole uh, – because a lot of times with the podcast, you may not be able to read. You know, There may be chart studies, things like that put into a little bit different uh, dialogue and whatnot, <clears throat> maybe some different information. So you can go actually and read um, – an article about layer feed versus boiler feed from our guest today, Dr. Curran Gehring, PhD, poultry nutritionist, and uh, read all about that, including taking notes during this podcast. So we're going to go to commercial break. I'm going to run every single commercial I've got, and then we're going to come back, and there'll be no more commercial breaks for the rest of the podcast. So you can get a pen, you can get a paper, you can come back and get ready to take notes. Then we come back, I'll bring Dr. Gehring on, and we'll talk about this layer feed versus boiler feed, and why, and when, and how, and what to, and what not to, and all that great stuff right after this short break. And uh, just, um, what do they say, uh, spoiler alert, pumpkin seeds are not an all-natural dewormer for chickens. But do go read the study. We'll be back right after this. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. 
Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. And we're going to go ahead and bring on our guest for today, poultry nutrient, nu- ah, 
poultry nutritionist, Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D., and he's going to share with us uh, pretty much the article he wrote for the fall issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine, Layer Feed versus Broiler Feed. Uh, we're going to be talking about that, dissecting that today, and, and the good, the bad, the ugly, and the do's and the don'ts, and everything like that. So, uh, Dr. Gehring, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I thought this would be a really good topic. Um, you know, over the years, we've seen folks that have truly said, oh, I could never raise meat birds, or I could never eat Miss Polly, or I could never eat, you know, Petunia or Precious or whatever. But these same people that told me that a year or two later are like, you know what? I'm starting a small flock of meat birds in a separate area of my yard because I want to be more sustainable for whatever reason. Um, and so we've had these folks that at one time thought, oh, I could never, are now doing this. And then it, it becomes, okay, you know, not, not that the show is going to be all about raising meat birds. We've done that. But, you know, kind of enclosure. But, but the nutrition part of it, because they'll be like, can I just feed them the same? Can I raise together with my layers? Can I feed them the same feed as my layers? Can I do this and that? So today we're concentrating specifically on really the feed differences between layer and broiler feed. And uh, you're the one to do that. So I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and let us know what we need to know about about this and why I don't feed broiler feed to my layers out in the yard right now and why it's better to feed broiler feed for when I do raise broilers about once a year here on the homestead we'll do about 25 to 30 birds and that normally will last us for you know about a year really at the end of the day um, with everything we do with those so um, go ahead educate mm -hmm. us on this and why we why there's a difference in the, to begin with okay yeah and you know I think as, as we go along today um, you know I just had a, a couple just kind of uh, rules of thumb for you know being a label reader, looking at the the tag and and uh, making decisions on on which feed uh, you might want to use depending on the type of bird that that you have and and uh, you know I, th I think to get started one of the really important things to, to understand is that it you know we we really do need to look at that uh, you know the, the guaranteed analysis and. And the language on the bag, and not just the the name of the feed, because there's there's so many variations out there. You have, you know, some that say broiler feed, some that say meat bird feed, uh, some that say layer feed, and some are poultry feed or chicken feed. Uh, so you know, <laughs> some of those it's not very clear exactly, uh, you, you know, what type it is and and for uh, what purpose we would use it for. Um, so then, you know, besides just looking at the at the name of the seed, and and then looking at uh, you know the nutrient content of it, so that we can actually you know, make a good decision about what that feed's good for, uh, you know, we really need to look at the type of birds that we have, and um, you know, I think there's three major uh, classifications or of uh, or categories. Um, of birds that you might see uh, in a backyard flock. And so, you know, we have some that are strictly bred for egg production. Uh, so the, you know, ice browns, uh, white leghorns, uh, and then some that are bred for meat production, what, you know, what we would call a broiler or a meat bird. Um, so you have, you know, Ross 308s, Cobb 500s that would be uh, you know, from commercial strains, uh, jumbo Cornish crosses, freedom rangers, birds like that. 
Um, but then, you know, a lot of the the birds that uh, that people have in backyard flocks are heritage breeds, especially ones that were, you know, here in the in the early part of our or early history of our country are their dual purpose because uh, we wanted to be able to produce meat and eggs for our family. So, you know, you have your Rhode Island Reds, Wyandots, and, you know, many, many other uh, other breeds that would be more dual purpose than any of those uh, commercial type uh, strains. So, um, you know, once we kind of identify uh, what type of bird we have, uh, you know, then it's important to look at how those uh, nutrient requirements differ. And if we look at, say, a, a broiler or meat bird uh, versus a layer, um, we see that the nutrient requirements, you know, is very pretty widely, um, especially uh, even in a starter feed. So, you know, a lot of people might think that, well, a starter feed's just a starter feed. They're not laying eggs. Not anywhere close to it yet, but uh, birds that are bred for producing muscle or meat uh, have a much higher uh, amino acid requirement uh, than birds that would be bred to, to uh, you know, later be laying hens and produce eggs. So, you know, even at even from day one, right after hatch the ideal uh, digestible lysine level, and this would translate to all other amino acids, uh, is as much as 28 or 30% higher for a meat-type bird uh, than uh, a layer bird. Uh, so, you know, another thing that I talked about in the, uh, in the article uh, for the fall issue is that because most of these birds that people have are probably dual-purpose, you know, the the ideal amount in a lot of starters is probably somewhere in the middle or, or an intermediate level, uh, and that that means that you know for for most birds, your 18% chick starters are probably uh, just fine, especially if those birds are going to be primarily egg layers uh, eventually. But if you have a dual purpose bird or or a meat bird, and you're really concerned with uh, with the meat production, uh, then you know I think the starter really needs to be you know over 20% protein, um, because otherwise the digestible amino acids just aren't going to uh, you know be at an ideal level. And uh, Steve, stop me if you have uh, any anything to add, or I will absolutely. I want to jump in, yeah. Um, you know, again, if if you have, say, a, you know, a very high quality 18% chick starter, uh, got somewhere just under 1% digestible lysine, uh, and then a, you know, a cheaper economy type starter uh, is going to have even less. And so, you know, that's, Another thing that I'm just thinking of now that I didn't put in the article uh, is that if you're trying to, to say, you know, feed one starter to all your birds and, you know, one of the 
a, a starter that's maybe a little cheaper than the 21 or 22 percent protein, uh, you know, meat bird type starter. If the difference on meat birds between a premium 18 percent protein shake starters and the economy ones is is going to be pretty drastic in terms of how they uh, how they grow and and you know the amount of feed that it's going to take to get them to the same body weight and the amount of time that it's going to take as well uh, because that 18 percent protein feeds already going to be you know somewhat deficient in amino acids for uh, you know for optimum growth and then if you go with a a cheaper formula uh, it's going to just exacerbate that problem. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and a few years ago, uh, I did a comparison of how fast these chicks grow, uh, a daily comparison. I got meat birds and some layers, um, the commercial layers, even Bovin's Brown, um, and had took a picture of them every day for like two weeks uh, of their growth and posted them on the Facebook page. And it really amazed people that have never raised meat birds before. They were the typical meat bird, you know, the Cornish cross and uh, super fast growers. And that was when we were doing a uh, study here on the on the homestead about um, the fast uh, meat birds like the Cornish Cross, and then we did a slower growing uh, red uh, meat bird, I think it was, um, and then we did. In fact, I never did do a um, what wouldn't have been worth my time mm-hmm. because the difference the difference between the slower grower broiler and that um, Cornish Cross was like night and day. We gave figures like how much food it was taking, how much time it was taking, and then how long we had, you know, before before butcher. And then uh, there was no way I was going to waste my time doing a, a dual-purpose meat bird because it would have been just crazy amount of time, crazy amount of cost, crazy amount of feed. And um, so I said, you know, you, the proof's in the pudding. Here's all our information. And uh, people were, were agreeing, like, yeah, it's, you know, if you're looking to provide for your family some food and, um, you know, on, on, on a budget or, you know, how much time do you have? You know, so it was. Uh, there was no no question regarding that. But it, it, that alone, the pictures can show. Uh, just you know, looking at that, the nutritional differences that these birds have just within two weeks' time, it was it, it was amazing to show that. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it, you know a really good point about you know the dual purpose breeds. I, I know you know a lot of them are just beautiful birds with you know the barred and and different uh you know types of feathers and colors and and uh you know that's wonderful but they're they're by default by being dual purpose they're not the most efficient at any one thing and so yeah it's, it's there's gonna be a big difference uh for egg laying or or meat production uh, when you compare a dual-purpose breed to one that's ma- made for uh, for one or the other, and so you know, I, it's, it's definitely a one thing to consider if, if for for anybody who wants to to have both and you know produce some birds to uh, for consumption and some for for egg production, uh, it's going to be cheaper, faster, you know, more efficient to have two different. Uh, breeds, but you know, definitely with a with a dual purpose, there's some some beautiful chickens and and uh, also the the convenience of of just having one uh, that, that don't need to be kept separate or fed separately. 
Mm-hmm. A but, lot of people. Uh, will, yeah. A lot of people will talk about and asking when they see this. Do I need to start off with this this layer feed? I mean the um, broiler feed, and then switch to like a finisher. And <coughs> and so um, we we don't do that here. When we start them out, they grow so fast. I mean we're basically. Um, uh, processing them, calling them and processing them in about seven weeks. Sometimes we've done six, sometimes we've done eight, mm-hmm. sometimes we got busy mm-hmm. and it was nine. Uh, but mainly we shoot for seven weeks and it's just, you know, we'll buy, based on the birds that we have, we'll buy so many bags and then we'll have it readily available and then just we'll just go through it in seven weeks and then, we you know, we withhold that food overnight, but we process and, um, and then we've had processing classes where once we do that, we let them soak in the ice bath for rig to set in and release, da 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 da, da before we actually uh, put them in the freezer. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, we we don't do that. I don't know. I'm not sure what say the commercial guys do. If there's a from day one when they get the baby chicks to the day that big trucks come and put them in the cages and they go head off to the processor. I don't know how many changes, uh, if any, the commercial folks do. Um, but you know, it's, and they're they're doing probably what five weeks, which is like what uh, forty days, forty two days, something like that, whatever it is, um, maybe less <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, fifty days, fifty two days. So I don't know how many changes they go through with their they're giving them, if any. But here, so we we buy so many bags of the broiler feed, boom, and we give it through the duration. Yeah, yeah. I think for for a lot of people, you know, you could feed. Uh, you know, bag chick starter all the way through and, and finish them on it. And, um, you know, like with our ultra premium line show flock, we've got the show flock starter and the show flock developer uh, that are, you know, both you know, not laying hen seeds that, that have, you know, two to one calcium to phosphorus ratio. And, and the, you know the major difference between the two is is that the developers a pellet, the starters a crumble. Um, so you know going from the starter to the developer and finishing them on the developer is going to be more efficient. Uh, they're going to grow faster on less feed uh, because it takes less energy to consume pellets than it does to uh, consume the same amount of crumbled. But uh, you know that that might not you know be something that that's a big uh, you know big issue for for a lot of people. So that it certainly would be fine to just keep them on starter the whole way through. Um, and even on an 18%, you know, it really just depends on uh, you know how how long uh, someone's willing to to grow their birds for. And you know, if there's no time constraint on you know if you if you don't need it need them to be finished by a certain day then uh you know if you if you feed them uh you know lower nutrient density it's just going to take longer and they're going to consume more feed uh to get there to the same weight and so you know you you're mentioning the uh commercial production and uh you know on the very uh the, the smallest birds that we uh, in the industry they call them uh like they used to call them KFC type birds or fast food type birds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those might be 35 days, so about five weeks. So you'd have a starter, grower, finisher. Um, but now more and more are being grown uh, to, uh, you know, much larger weights. Like, um, 
say, you know, seven, eight pounds instead of, uh, you know, four or five. So those are going out to 59 to 62 days. And with those, you would have a starter, grower, finisher one, finisher two, uh, sometimes a, a pre-starter at the beginning, sometimes a withdrawal feed at the end. So, you know, you, but they're trying to match that, uh, you know, the changing uh, nutrient needs of, of the bird as closely as possible, you know, at least every couple weeks. Uh, whereas, you know, like we talked about before with layer feed, uh, you just, no feed store has enough room to carry, uh, you know, that many different diets for for your chickens, you know, on, on with laying hens, you've got a, you know, might have a matrix of over a hundred different formulas depending on their feed intake and age and egg production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we we just have to kind of find, uh, you know, an average and, and it's going to work for, uh, you know, many different situations and be be pretty good. Would the diet differ if I was going to use, say, a fast grower like a Cornish cross or a slow grower, quote, broiler, red broiler, for example, mm-hmm. or um, or a dual purpose? So we, we would just throw that out there like, say, a barred rock, for example. Um, would my start to finish, because you know, the barred rock may not be the weight that I want to process for, 16 to 20 weeks. Um, the slow grow roller may be out to, you know, 12, and then it would. So based on that lo- that lifespan, um, would that make me want to choose maybe a different type of regimen for their uh, nutritional requirements? Or if I'm if my sole purpose is for meat bird, <laughs> I'm not going to raise the barred rocks delay and then eventually consume them. Uh, we're talking mm-hmm. like from chick to however many weeks I'm happy with their weight, I'm going to call them. Um, would would that play into maybe a different type of feed regimen? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, and you, you can't make the, you know, the, the exact same decisions that you would if you were formulating the feed you know, specifically for your flock. But, um, you know, I, th- I think if you were sure that if they were going to be you know, just for meat production, um, you know, then definitely going from uh, from that starter and a starter that's over 20% protein, uh, and then after, a, you know, two or three weeks going to a pellet, um, you know, that's going to get you the best feed conversion, uh, which is amount of feed per amount of body weight gain. Um, that's going to grow them the, the fastest. Um, but there's, you know, there wouldn't be anything wrong with, with keeping them on a, you know, on a starter or a crumble. It would just slow them down a bit. Uh, and, and that might be, you know, the way to go if you're, if you were, you know, growing them for egg production. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you don't want them to get too big before they start, you know, laying eggs. So, sure. You know, having the ideal body weight as they um, come into production makes a big difference, uh, you know, as you go later on and 
and the amount of eggs that you're going to get over their um, lifetime. And uh, so, you know, it might it might not be bad to slow them down uh, a little bit in that case. And so, you know, it's it's tough to you know really give a perfect answer that you know there's, there's not really one answer that that is right for everyone. It really depends on their specific flock and, and where they live, the weather, and their situation. But uh, but there's, you know, just several things that you can do uh, to change their growth rate. And, um, you know, if you have one flock that, man, they got too big too fast, uh, then you can, you know, keep them on a crumble instead of going to a pellet. You can go to a lower uh, protein feed. Uh, as they get older, you, you can go to a uh, maybe a, a lower tier feed, you know, from a premium to a you know what we call advantage, which would be uh, in between economy and premium. Uh, it, those are those are all things that you could do to to slow them down, and and you know then the opposite would be true to to speed them up, and uh, so. You know, I think a lot of those decisions are just really personal to uh, whoever the you know flock owner is and how they want their birds to grow and, and what's working for them and and uh, their situation on their farm. And sure. you know, one other thing that and, and this is something that I put in the article as well is you know we. We don't have to be exactly perfect on feeding our birds because they're they're actually very uh, capable of adjusting their feed intake uh, to meet their needs, and you know much more so than we are. And uh, I don't know how they do it because it's not, you know, I don't think that they can think and have a uh, you know a narrative in their head. <laughs> well, I might need a little more. Uh, Lysine or some more calories. I uh, better eat some more, you know. But they just do it somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, most people, um, even among poultry scientists, there's a lot of people that still just believe that it's, uh, you know, based on calories. And uh, so, you know, very well known that if a, you know, if a diet doesn't have the ideal amount of calories, then uh, you know, chickens will eat more until they you know, consume the amount of calories that they need. But a lot of research has shown that that you you really get the same response uh, to amino acids. And so, you know, that's why if you feed, say, an 18% chick starter uh, versus a 21% protein chick starter, they're, they're going to, if, if the, everything else is the same, they're going to eat more of the 18% because um, they're going to have that amino acid response. And, you know, that's so that's a good thing because it gives us some wiggle room. We don't have to, uh, you know, have every nutrient level exactly perfect for them. And, you know, one thing that that happens too is that, you know, if any nutrient is deficient, then as we either increase the level of that nutrient in the feed, um, so, you know, say from going to a 
a cheap feed to a you know to a better feed or as the birds increase their feed intake so that they're consuming more of that nutrient then you'll see productive traits increase so whether that's uh, body weight gain or the growth rate you know gain per day average daily gain uh, or egg production and you'll so if they're deficient and they can either consume more of that nutrient or you provide more uh, then we'll see those productive traits increase until they reach the requirement and that nutrient's not uh, limiting anymore and then you'll see that productive trait plateau and so you can keep providing more of that nutrient or they can eat more feed and consume more of it but you don't see any further improvement in growth rate or egg production and you know of course with any nutrient that, that you know whether it's vitamins or amino acids or uh, minerals at some point uh, it becomes toxic I mean even you can drink too much water and have it become uh, toxic so it's not a plateau forever but with um, with almost everything that plateau you, you know is uh, I mean there's a there's a wide margin of error past the requirement so once you hit that level um, you know it's not harmful to for them to be consuming too much of uh, of all, you know most nutrients uh, if they're trying to you know reach their requirement for another one it it just might be wasteful gotcha yeah I think that whole uh, that starts the whole another process uh, of too much protein which we've talked about a whole lot uh, on, on yeah the show as well. oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah, and there's you know he's yeah I know you've talked about it with with several of the the guests on the show and in in articles and but uh, at, you know feeding them something that's thirty percent protein or forty percent or whatever yeah you, know, you see mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I mean they they don't even have the the capacity to uh, you know use all of it. Um, right. So, yeah, not only is it a, a waste of money, it's not good for their health and causes a lot of problems. Uh, whether you have 15 or 25 in your meat bird area or 30,000 in your meat bird area, uh, it can, you know, increase things like, what is it, the um, foot, bad, foot pad dermatitis and all, all, ammonia issues and, and all kinds of different issues. And a lot of that can be improved again like we've talked about with the uh, with the food and a lot of people just don't realize how much these birds are going to consume they're surprised if they're first-time chicken keepers when they go out and buy the Rhode Island Reds or Bard Rocks over laced wine dots and they're like oh my gosh these are little pigs um, and uh, they're eating so much and that's one thing over the years I've noticed that uh, some they'll walk into the feed store as a newbie They'll have, you know, four or five or six little baby chicks in the palm of one hand, and they walk over to the shelf, and they buy that five-pound bag of chick starter, five pounds, because they see the chicks. They see this five-pound bag of feed. Oh, this is going to last so long, and it's and they're come back, literally coming back the next day or later that day to buy more bags. And so we've always been like, 
Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if you're just getting six baby chicks. Get the 50-pound bag, 50-pound bag. You know, 50-pound bag costs about as much as that five-pound bag, and you know, <laughs> it's a yeah. kind of crazy. But but now that when you get oh, into the meat yeah. birds, <laughs> then they're they're really even even more surprised at, at how much they uh, how much they're going to consume. So uh, it's it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to see their responses uh, all along. That a lot, you know, to feed them the same thing, kind of raise them together. If I do raise them together, how do I separate their feet? All this stuff. And um, but but yeah, it's 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 a science all in itself, really. When you look at uh, meat birds, we've had success. I mean, out of the let's see, the last five years, we've been raising, you know, twenty five to thirty thirty five meat birds every year, and you know everybody talks about loss. We're in in, in Georgia, it's hot here. Um, we have your pretty much, you know, standard coops. We've done, you know, uh, we've done them in a chicken tractor. We've done them in a stable, just a coop that's not moving. Um, and tried all different kind of things. And our loss, if any, has been almost none. Um, raising 25 to, to say 35 birds. Um, and in five years that's of doing great. so, that amount every year, I can probably think of maybe two uh, out of out of all those that that we have lost, um, and they uh, <laughs> I've got videos. They're just they're 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 funny birds, and um, and they're sweet birds though. They're sweet. They're funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, oh gosh, it was maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years ago, and uh, we left a poultry show. And a gentleman said, hey, yeah, I got some white leggerns up here that uh, if you want them, I've just got too many. And I'm like, yeah, well, we'd be interested. It's about 15 minutes from the show. So uh, we went up there. We're like, okay, we'll get these white leggerns. And <laughs> we're like, uh, these are definitely not white leggerns. And uh, because they were the size of, oh, my gosh. A, a big bouncy ball you find in the bin at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like they're white and have red combs. They're 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 uh, <laughs> they're white leggings. I'm like, no, these aren't skinny runts that are squirrely and running 50 miles an hour, getting away from you. And uh, they're these are just yeah. sitting there. You know, they're just leaning up against you. And Jen was like. Oh, these birds are so sweet. They just come up and lean up against your leg when you're out there working in the in the run or whatever. Because <laughs> that's all they can do. So um, uh, pr- pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying yeah. to think if I have any other questions about – I know this wouldn't be a crazy long show, but I'm trying to think any questions I've had over the years dealing with the uh, startup. You know, we kind of covered do people change their foods based on if they're using a slow grower, fast grower, you know, dual purpose. Uh, we've kind of covered that. We've covered the importance of, uh, and, and we, we you had mentioned it. We didn't kind of get into it because we've done it before. But why you don't want to, you know, use that uh, broiler feed if you're raising uh, the layers in the broiler, as uh, you throw all that protein at those those layers, uh, and they start growing way too fast. You're asking for problems, and they start laying uh, a lot of egg bound issues. Um, that I remember back in the day, again, 15 years ago. I don't see it much anymore today. Thank goodness. But I remember it was king to, oh, yeah, I start them on game birds, starter at, you know, 28, 32% because uh, I want them to grow fast and it's really, really good for them. And then they've got egg bound issues, laying issues. And that, uh, I remember mm-hmm. just like it was yesterday. Um, that, that was a big thing. I'm glad it's kind of gone away uh, for that matter. But um, 
trying to think if I have any other questions. Anything on anything else on your outline about the uh, that you wanted to make sure you convey or, or get oh. to our listeners about meat layer versus meat bird? Yeah, yeah, and actually, you know, specifically about the you know finally getting to the layer feed versus non-layer feed, and I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. have been thinking that. I've been listening for half an hour, and I thought that's what this show is about. <laughs> but we're we're getting there. <laughs> It's uh, all important. It's all important. Yeah, yeah. I think you got to you got to start from day one and uh, make sure that that you make the right decisions on on the feed for your birds, and um, because it all it all affects them for you know much longer than that. Uh, even after you change feeds or go to a layer feed or not. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but you know the, the the biggest difference when we're talking about um, you know adult laying hens that are that are laying eggs or you know, older meat birds that are getting close to uh, close to market age. You know, the you know, or major difference there is is calcium. And so, if you look at the tag of uh, you know nearly any non-laying chicken feed, you know, you'll see about a two to one. Uh, well, I I, I should. Make this clear. So I'm, when I'm talking about a two-to-one ratio, I'm talking about calcium to available phosphorus. And what you see on the tag or the bag is calcium and total phosphorus. And so a lot of times it's not a two-to-one ratio when you're looking at those minerals. Um, and the, the difference is uh, is that most of the or, or a lot of the phosphorus that is in grain, whether it's corn or wheat or rice, uh, it's in the form of phytate, which is not available to the bird. It can be broken down uh, with enzymes, uh, but by itself, it's it's not an available form of phosphorus. So we formulate the diets based on what is actually available. And so that, that two-to-one ratio is important because that's the ratio of calcium to phosphorus uh, in bones, and the, the mineral that that makes up uh, bones. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll so you see that in you know it's a, a lot of other livestock feed with different animals. Um, but you know then when you look at a layer feed, you know now instead of um, say 0.7 to 1% calcium you'll probably see a similar amount of phosphorus and 3.8 to 4.5% calcium. So, you know, I, I, again, I, I should have probably done these numbers on, on total phosphorus, uh, but if you're looking at available phosphorus, the way that the diet was formulated, you're going from a 2 to 1 ratio uh, in a non-laying feed to a 9 or 10 to 1 ratio in a layer feed. Um, so that's a huge difference. And the and the reason for that is because eggshells are composed of calcium carbonate primarily. And so they just have a much higher uh, need for calcium uh, than if they weren't laying eggs. But, uh, y- you know, one of the questions that we get all the time is, can I feed my birds you know, all the same feed, and I've got two roosters and and younger birds, and uh, you know, not all of them are egg layers. 
And the reason that I can't recommend it is whenever that calcium to phosphorus ratio is not right. So whether calcium is too high or too low or phosphorus is too high or too low, uh, you know, that leads to uh, just, uh, you know, a, a negative effect on calcium and phosphorus metabolism, uh, manganese metabolism, which also affects uh, the other minerals and bones. Uh, it, and you often see, you know, very similar symptoms when that ratio is, is way off. And so it's, you know, going to translate to uh, bones that they can break easily, uh, a lot of times leg problems uh, where the birds, you know, aren't going to be able to, to walk uh, very well. Um, or could become crippled, um, just not anything that that you would want for your birds. And and I came across some research, uh, and actually couldn't find anywhere anyone has fed layer feed to a broiler. Um, but I did find one study where they fed a five to one calcium to available phosphorus ratio to broilers. Mm-hmm. And so remember, this is halfway to a layer feed. Right. So, um, you know, so in this case, we're talking maybe like 2% calcium instead of 1% um, or, yeah, 2 point something percent calcium. So in that case, it uh, severely disrupted manganese metabolism, uh, which led to very, uh, very severe leg problems. And that was only halfway to a layer feed. You know, I, I I know confidently that if if you have birds in a pen and you're providing 100% of their feed and you get that ratio off, it, it's not good, not good for them at all. If they're not laying eggs and and um, and you're feeding a high calcium, you know, layer feed to them. Uh, but. We hear it all the time from our customers that, you know, I feed layer feed to all my birds and they're fine and my roosters are fine. Um, so, you know, just anecdotally, I think that free-range roosters must, uh, you know, be able to augment their diet somehow with, you know, by consuming seeds or insects or whatever else uh, that they can find. And it seems to work, but I, you know, I, I still, if it, if it was me and my flock, I would feed them separately. Yeah, definitely. You know, we tell folks that, you know, and you, you know, probably want to keep them separate, feed them separate, separate enclosure. You know, you're looking at seven weeks. Uh, even if you have to build, you know, makeshift uh, chicken tractor, uh, we still have it out back that we use. And uh, that we just pull around and uh, give them fresh grass mm-hmm. and whatnot. That's in- interesting. That uh, even half the calcium affected their legs so much in that negative way. Oh yeah, and, and it was uh, uh, the quote from the study was you know it was a high incidence and severity uh, of leg issues. So yeah, de- definitely not something that that you know you'd want to happen to your birds. And, uh, you know, and I, and I guess one, uh, you know, one thing I didn't put in the article that I'm just thinking of now is, 
you know, those leg issues would become, or, or the the chance for those issues is, are going to become more pronounced, uh, you know, as you get later into the grow out cycle of, if, of particularly the, you know, meat bird strains that are bred just for meat production. And so, you know, if you've got some that are, you know, in the last couple weeks and they've got a lot of meat on them, um, you know, that's that's already a lot of weight that their skeleton's supporting. So if you, if you start messing with that and, uh, you know, make it to where they, they don't have the bone structure that they need, uh, you know, then I think the chances for those type of problems go way up compared to, you know, say, in a, you know, very young bird. Right. We were talking about that with layers, too. Can, oh, can I feed my baby chicks? Just layer feed. I already have layers. Can I just <clears> give it to them? And that's one of the big no-nos is that you know, way too much calcium for them. They don't need that. It's going to be bad for all kinds of things, mm. kidneys, kidneys, liver. Uh, now you're saying bones as well, even even that's kind of the opposite of what we think. And, uh, and you know, can, can I start them on – how early can I start them on the layer feed, and, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah that, that, definitely don't want to. How does that compare? I'll put you on the spot here. You may not have it on the top of your head, but like your mm-hmm. traditional – if I'm raising Rhode Island Reds, and I just buy a, a chick starter for, say, Rhode Island Reds uh, or a Bovins Brown, probably a little calcium in that. I think we've talked about it. How does that compare to a broiler feed? And would that be about the same? Um, is broiler a little bit different? Uh, you, Can you? You talking about as on, a, on a starter feed? Yeah, so if I'm going to give my, I just got chicks from the feed store and I got chick starter. Um, I just throw out a number, you know, 20% chick starter feed. Um, how much calcium in that compared to I'm now raising broilers, strictly Cornish cross, and I got a broiler feed for them at, at day old. Um, is there a big, dif- is there a difference similar in calcium content between those two? Oh, there really uh, it shouldn't be. It should be, yeah, about about the same. I figured um, it probably you know, would a, be. Yeah, because at that point, it's it's really, you know, the skeletal system is, is the main driver there, so that's why you want that two-to-one ratio. Um, so, you know, starters typically going to be, say, anywhere from 0.9 to 1% calcium, and then somewhere around uh, 0.45% available phosphorus. And so that... At 0.45 percent might translate to, and depending on the ingredients, you know, somewhere 0.5 to 0.6 percent phosphorus on the tag. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just guessing, not looking at one right now, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, those those really should be the same. Um, and then, you know, this is another thing I think that I had in the article is is on energy. Um, in the starter phase, it's not very different between meat birds and, and layers. Um, so your, you know, the major difference on day one is, or for the at least the first you know week or two is going to be in uh, protein and amino acids. Um, you know more than anything else, and um, energy is pretty close there, and you know calcium and and phosphorus are going to be about you know the same for quite a while, um, but if you were formulating the diets, uh, you know, 
to exactly meet their needs, then you would see uh, energy flipping as they get older. And so, you know, broilers as as they grow and and start, you know, gaining a lot of muscle uh, every day and and growing at a faster rate, their their caloric needs, energy needs, uh, go up tremendously. So, um, you know, in a if you go from a starter feed to a grower feed to a finisher, um, you'll see the energy level increase with each diet. Um, but then for layers, then you're going to see the the opposite, and um, you know see a, a lower energy diet as they get um, get to a you know laying age. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, as far as overall ingredient mixture between that chick starter and we'll say the broiler starter, as far as uh, if we looked at a label between those two, uh, corn and, and, and other, you know, are they knowing the one's going to be a meat bird? How does if we get a little bit more down into that label, um, do things differ very very much? Um, whether it be like you had mentioned earlier about the lysine um, and any you know corn or the protein of the yep. fat, different things like that. Uh, would we see, if we're looking at a label from just the untrained eye looking at this, would we see a big difference between the layer and, say, the starter for uh, or the... No, I I don't think so. And it, mm-hmm. the biggest difference is going to be um, between, uh, you know, price points. Right. Than, um, whether it's a labeled as a meat bird starter or a, or a chick starter or however um, it is because... Uh, you know, if you're if you're looking at commercial diets, that that broiler starter is going to be corn, soy, maybe some uh, distillers grains. Uh, you know, if it's an all veg diet, then of course no animal protein, and if it's not, then then it might be some meat and bone meal or or um, something. But uh, you know, then if you're looking at a you know pullet starter um, for you know, birds that are going to be broiler breeders or layers, table egg layers, you know, you might have some type of uh, more fibrous ingredient to bring the energy down a bit, you know, maybe uh, some wheat mids or soy hulls or something like that. Um, but you're going to see that in, in pretty much uh, every backyard poultry feed um, anyway, some of those ingredients. Um, so the, the biggest difference is going to be, you know, your premium and ultra premium uh you know chick starters are going to be corn first uh probably uh and then soybean meal is going to be up there probably mm-hmm. number two mm-hmm. um and then as you go to a you know a, a cheaper or you know an economy or commodity chick starter uh those ingredients are going to be down the label after wheat mids or soy hulls or um uh, rice holes or something, those other ingredients. So I was leading up to this, again, not to put you on the spot because I do this a lot. Um, so if um, it sounds, though, I mean, you, you, you've kind of answered the question already. If And, and I've heard this before. I, my feed store has chick starter, 
you know, that's that's all they got. I don't see any special meat bird this or meat bird that. I say, hey, we just have the chick starter, and they just got 25 Cornish cross. <laughs> it sounds mm-hmm. like that they'll be okay. To, if say, okay, this is all you got. I got these meat birds. This is a chick starter. Um, so we know it's going to be lower in calcium. It's going to have a little bit higher protein, 18 to 20. Uh, and so this is what I got. This is what I got. And then they'll probably go and use that. And if they use it for seven weeks, they'll probably have good results raising those meat birds with that chick starter just because it doesn't say meat bird starter uh, on it, on the on the outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. And, and, you know, we did a study last year at Mississippi State with, with our uh, – you know, regular chick, medicated chick starter that's 18% protein, uh, and then our show flock starter that's non-medicated, um, that it's 21% protein, our, our ultra premium, um, and that, you know, of course, the, the regular chick starter costs a lot less than than the show flock, but uh, the birds that had the show flock actually ate uh, a whole lot less feed. Yeah, so it was cheaper per pound of gain. It was cheaper to get them to the same, you know, five or six pounds of body weight on the show flock uh, than the regular uh, cheaper feed. And so that's that's one thing, you know, a lot of times people don't think about is, I, I think is, you know, well, this bag is, this one's $4 a bag less, but, you know, if the birds eat way more of it, that could be more expensive in the long run. Um, do you have that, do you have that something... Uh, that I can share about that. Um, I think that would be great to, to share with folks. Um, yeah, to, to let To let them know that, you know, I can say, hey, check this out. Very interesting that, you know, because we've talked about that our last show, you know, is, is um, uh, f- you know, feed alternatives for our poultry. We just did a show on that last month, you know, uh, pay now or pay later. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've mentioned yeah. this now probably in, in every show about this awesome study. And I'm just like, I would love to have something linked to, that study or something, a write-up that I can share about that to let people know that, um, you know, you, whether it be egg production or in this case as well, <coughs> they, you know, uh, you pay now or pay later with a lot of things, and, and quality poultry feed can be one of those. Yeah, and, um, you know, and that, I, I'll send you that, that information, and, um, you know, the other thing that we found in that study is not only was it cheaper to feed them on the show flock? They they got the same weight a week faster, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and all the birds were were very healthy and and grew well. So um, that's just some some benefits there. Uh, and then you know I, I'll add that when you're comparing uh, feeds by price like that, you know you really can only do it um, among one brand or you know one feed producer. And so, um, you know, in that case, like, you know, we have our show flock that's several dollars more per bag than our chick starter. But when you compare them across different brands, it's not it's not a fair comparison in that way because um, you're, you're paying for a lot of things other than just feed. And so it's, um, you know, how far away is the, the feed mill from – uh, from the store, so you're paying for diesel. Um, you know, does that company have their own trucks and trailers and drivers, or are they paying another company uh, to get it to the store? 
you know, how much of that cost of that seed is corporate overhead. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's just a lot of factors. So, you know, when you're looking at two different brands, um, there there may be feed from one brand that's five dollars less than a feed from another, but much better. And so, you know, when you make those price point comparisons, it it really, it, you know, really only works if you're comparing two products made by the same manufacturer, and then to compare across brands, you know, that's when you really have to look at the the label or the or the the bag and and see what you're getting and, and do some research uh, on those products. Right, right, right. How about folks that this is getting into more of our meat bird raising class versus not, but you're the nutritionist here. Um, are you on the team of restricting feed for these, uh, say, say the meat birds, because a lot of people will say, I feed during the day, you know, 7 to 7 p.m., that's it. If they grow too fast, have issues, leg issues, blah, 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 um, are just, hey, you know, free choice. And, and we won't use, like, the uh, commercial Right now, we're just saying uh, the soccer mom that says has 12 to 25 meat birds uh, in their meat bird pen, and they found meat bird starter, uh, meat bird feed at their uh, <coughs> feed store. And uh, are you on the team of? Because everybody has, you know, you'll see a lot of things on on the internet. I feed 7 a.m., 7 p.m. I don't feed them at night. I don't give feeds available 24 hours a day, and then they have their own justification. Here at us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for seven weeks. There's food in their buckets, their trays, whether it's mm-hmm. the brooder and for them to go out to the coop, because that's just what I, again, I've been taught for uh, other folks that have been on the a podcast and whatnot. What, what team are, are you on? And not, because I don't know how they do it in the commercial world, but just in that, in that situation I just described, um, what, what, it, what is your best recommendation? And then yeah. we got to wrap uh, it up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the you know the, one of the worst things you can do is run out of feed, and not providing feed is the same thing as running out of feed. Uh, so you know, and if you look at you know an eighteen percent chick starter, no matter who makes it, they're not going to grow too fast on that. If it's a meat bird, they I mean they just they can't, and. So, you know, if they're if you go with a twenty or twenty one or twenty two percent protein chick starter and they're just growing you think they're growing too fast, then just feed them a eighteen percent and provide it all the time. And uh you know, 'cause they're they're really wired to mm-hmm. you know, eat and sit down and get up and drink and you know, uh, just whenever they feel like it. Uh, so I mean, you, you kind of think of how you know. Same with with people. If you didn't have to work and didn't have any other responsibilities, it's couch, fridge, couch, <laughs> fridge. You know. Um, right, right. And and if you wanted to go to the refrigerator and it was empty, that's stressful. Uh, and you know that's it's really stressful if if a for a bird if they want feed and or water and it's not there 
And, uh, you know, if anybody has ever, you know, accidentally restricted uh, food or water from their birds, then they, they know their behavior when they, when they provide it again. You know, if, if uh, I've, I've seen, you know, birds in a university setting where, uh, you know, a ball valve was turned on a water line and, and somebody didn't catch it for a while and you put, and you provide the water again and they go crazy because they've, <laughs> you know, yep. uh, they don't understand. It's just, you know, their body's telling them I want food or I want water right now. And if it's not there, uh, you know, that's, that's very stressful. For you. Gonna, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which, and, and that impacts their growth. That impacts their immune system. Um, and if there's not food not, right there in front of them, if there's not food right there in front of them, don't think for a second they're not going to start eating those pine shavings. They will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll eat whatever, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, they're going to eat something and it's not going to be anything you want them to eat if you if you don't have uh, you know, the food available. Um and uh so so yeah, I would I would always want to have food and water available and 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 just you know, adjust their growth rate uh, based on the nutrient density of the seed. Mm-hmm. And, and crude protein is a good way to, to do that with, with bag feed uh, for a starter. And, and, and I, again, even with that, like we've talked about, more is not always better <coughs> uh, with that. So, hey, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's been a, yeah. It's it's been a good show. I knew that it would be good. I knew a lot of people were wanting to hear about this. We we actually covered everything on my list here in front of me, especially what people like to ask. Uh, again, feeding the same, keeping them separate, all, feed all the time, withholding feed, that type of thing. Um, and even with your layers, you know, you withhold that feed. Uh, you try to skimp or try something else, then, then your egg production is going to drop, and you'll have stressed birds, and that's the first thing they're going to turn off is that magical egg-laying machine. Uh, with them uh, as well, um, but yeah, I've always um, those layers, man. They're they're just they're funny. I mean, I I really enjoy raising them. I really do. Um, <laughs> watching yeah. them grow so fast, and then watching their uh, their funniness out out in the coop um, is just it's amazing. And 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 it, it's things that you sometimes don't realize, like when we started first raising knee birds, because you hear all these horror stories, right? You know, uh, 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 for whatever whatever their agenda is about anti, you know, raising meat birds. But uh, it's mm-hmm. so funny. Again, I video it all, you know, here on the farm because we test so many products and, and to, to share and educate folks. And so it was great. I turned on my video, like Facebook Live. This was, again, two or three years ago and in this stationary coop, and they're in the run area. And here are these – they're probably the size of a large cantaloupe at this point maybe a, a honeydew yeah so a honeydew is a little uh-huh. bit large they're, they're about that size and so they're not tremendously old yet and they're in there enjoying life they're, they're doing their dirt bait they have their dust bath they, they, you know they're laying on mm-hmm. their side people always they think you know oh, these meat birds are just going to be late but here they are they're, i had you know however many in there they're nice and clean white because they're not at that huge poopy stage yet and and they're just fluffy and they're awesome. They're walking around. They're eating, drinking, and they're over in the corner, laying on their side. You can see their foot just, you know, waving that, that those shavings around, taking, you know, a dust bath, creating a dust bath for them. It's it's hilarious. They look up here, these little chunky things, and 
they're just they, to me they're fun to raise i really i mean i like all chickens obviously <laughs> wouldn't be doing this full time for all yeah. these years but they, it, it, mm-hmm. they were very entertaining and it was such a myth buster for me from what you expect in your mind from hearing all these naysayers and, to, and then you're actually raising them um and so it's always fun and, and to share that video so other people can see wait a minute but i thought or i heard or you know all this all this stuff and then uh, and then they and then they raise them and I love it when the folks that when they get started after a couple of years that have said oh I could never do that and lo and behold here they are with their first meat birds uh, in their in their backyard because yeah. they want to provide for their family that that's a success story if I've ever seen one and they're still like you know I could never eat these over here these are my pets they're all named we love them part of the family but these over here yeah I cannot wait because I'm I feel proud I'm, I'm feeding my family you know it's uh, they in their mind it was just better nutrition or mm-hmm. i'm providing for them and uh so yeah what a great success story with that as well so i encourage everybody if you have the means to do it the space to do it i mean you're probably not going to do it i mean i, I would but <laughs> a lot of people would do it in a, mm-hmm. a small neighbor a neighborhood setting you know that type of thing but people do and they'll start with you know i'm just going to raise six or eight you know that type of deal but uh, I, I would encourage everybody to, to do it uh, if you if you even are on the fence. Get off the fence today and, and then do that. Go back and watch the videos on our Facebook page from everything from raising them to processing them, weighing them every day, seeing the growth. Um, now we've done, you know, the, the class on or the podcast on feed, and I encourage you to, to jump off that fence and do it because you will – thoroughly I think enjoy it I really do and then the success when you're sitting down with your family and you can say I did this you know imagine that they know that the people are familiar with their garden oh this garden tomato oh this garden cucumber oh this this cantaloupe that I just raised oh all these beautiful eggs and now it's like hey I did this look at this coming out of my old Ronco rotisserie you know I've got this beautiful this beautiful bird and, uh, hey, we know here it's not for everybody. Some people out there right now are listening to the show, oh, I could never. Uh, but there's a lot of people that say, oh, I could never, that are doing it now. And so they never say never, I guess, when it comes to that. So, um, mm-hmm. Curran, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I hope everything's going well over there at Tucker yeah. Milling. And uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, Curran's article on this probably much more detailed as well maybe some graphs studies other things is in the fall issue of chicken whisperer magazine right now the digital edition released this past week um and uh, free for everybody four times a year chicken whisperer magazine.com you can read curran's article there's you can read the new study that came out about the pumpkin seeds um and and many others there's a new brooder that stromberg's has that lisa uh, down in Florida for us. She does all of our product testing that she tested that. You can read about that. Lots of information. And you can read my From the Editor piece, which talks about the laughing emoji that people seem to use when they don't have information to uh, argue with you. So when you post something that's science-based, fact-based, and study-based, and all they get is, and all they do is put a smiley emoji under your post, to me, <laughs> and in my uh, in my uh, from the editor piece to me when that's all they do that shows me that well guess what they don't have the information or the knowledge to come back with a rebuttal based on what they feel why my post was wrong they just put a smiling emoji there so you can read about that and, and that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago and why I had a different take on the smile or the laughing emoji 
uh, when people use that, but they won't follow up with, well, hey, in my opinion, or hey, here's a study that, that contradicts that, or hey, how about this? They just use the laughing emoji because they don't have any information to back up what they believe, which in this case may be wrong. So uh, that's a great little uh, piece that I did. And uh, there's, uh, there's one about disaster preparedness in your backyard poultry uh, from uh, poultry veterinarian Dr. Poteski. So, uh, again, all that's available to you for free for magazine.com. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. We'll, uh, I'll reach out to you. I'll do some brainstorming. We've got fall coming up, which means we've got the molt coming up, mm-hmm. which means we've got <laughs> – um, then there will be winter coming up. So, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm talking about winter already when your article just – a few months ago was about what a corny idea about getting corn for warmth in the winter time. Love that article. Yeah. Share it. One of the one of the most shared articles that I do. Uh, but we've got the molt coming up, which again, uh, uh, you know, probably will lead us back down that rabbit hole with protein. Uh, so we'll be talking about that over the next couple of months for sure. Um, is there anything we can okay. do nutrition wise to you know to help them uh, with uh, egg production in the molt? Or you know, at, at this point, nutrition is and, and, and um, biologically speaking for these hands you know it, it's all about the feathers no matter you know, we, we, we can't new, uh, um, we can't utilize nutrition to help them lay through the molt <laughs> it's not something that you know so i mean all these great things about the molt and winter time and winter diet uh is going to be uh coming up which is great uh when we talk about nutrition because this last six months of the year five months of the year uh, nutrition is a hot topic for all these different things that are happening. So I'll get with you and we'll look at the next few shows and get some good ones done. And, and also for the winter article as, as well. So Dr. Kern Gehring, yeah. thank you very much for coming on and sharing all this with us. And we look forward to seeing you next month, my friend. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Thank you. Man. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> all righty. Uh, that is another fantastic show with our good friend, poultry nutritionist, Dr. Kern Gehring. And, um, again, do you can go right now at the end of the show, chickenwhispermagazine.com, and you can see the layer feed versus boiler feed article that Dr. Gehring wrote, and it will be a lot more detailed than we can share, obviously, in a podcast. Uh, but the podcast still is extremely popular, thousands and thousands of listens, 24, over a period of – 13 or 14 years that we've been doing this, talking all about backyard poultry before backyard poultry was cool. <laughs> so, uh, and then we've got the magazine as well. We've got the magazine. We've got the podcast. Uh, we've got the social media pages, uh, Facebook. It's uh, the Chicken Whisperer over at Instagram. I think it's the real Chicken Whisperer. Twitter, it's at Backyard Poultry. So we do encourage you to um, um, follow us over there as well mainly probably our Facebook page, and then, of course, listening to the podcast, which you can listen to uh, in its entirety right after this show as it turns into a podcast versus a live broadcast. So thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time right here on Backyard Poultry. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com. On Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.